You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible Let's get to Texas, and this has to do with haunted places. So let's see what's going on with haunted places. Uh, it says, okay, it all started when I was 12 years old, and my mom bought this house. It was a nice home, didn't look haunted, but it was haunted. Uh, the only people living in the house were myself, my brother, who is 18 years old, and my mom and uncle. So we all got settled in, and the first few nights, nothing went wrong, but everything was going to get bad. The first thing that happened was when my mom asked me where her brush was. I told her I didn't mess with her things and had no idea where it was. My mom found it in a particular spot in the guest room, but for some reason the brush kept disappearing only to be found in that very same spot in the guest room. One thing that would always happen is I would hear someone talking. It'll only happen when I'm alone in the house, and everyone has said that they too have heard someone talking when they're alone as well. The only thing I, I hated most was when my dogs went missing. They would always go missing, the gate would always be opened, and no one could open it from the outside. 
but we were always lucky they didn't wander off too far. There was a, a fingernail polish problem. My mom went into her room finding fingernail polish all over her bed. Oh, that's horrible. She was mad. She, she didn't blame anyone in the house because she hid that kind of stuff where nobody could find it. Well, bye-bye sheets. Yeah, that sucks. Sheets are kind of expensive. I was uh, a little stunned. <laughs> you go out and you buy, if you buy, I, I mean, you can buy really cheap, crappy she sheets. But if you like some quality, uh, it, you're going to pay for it. So that's uh, that's an expensive problem. The next thing was when my mom was at her house alone. She was in her room doing something. And she told everybody that she felt cold and felt someone just watching her. She knew it was a ghost. She told it to go to the other side, and it never came back. And she said that all of her paper flew off her desk and onto the floor. Well, I'll tell you more about this house later. Huh. Well, it's all mischievous stuff that they're talking about in this story. Uh, but everything described in that story was was mischievous. It was, And I don't know, he, the person alluded to the fact that there's a lot more going on there. Maybe there is. Maybe it's a lot darker. But what they're talking about is very mischievous and, and I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem horrible. It's not like evil stuff. It's just mischievous. It's just it, it, somebody wants to be acknowledged an awful lot. And so they're making their presence completely uh, unignorable, <laughs> as it were. So I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say what kind of spirit that is. Sometimes some of the worst hauntings start out playful like that. And so it's hard to know where it's going to end up. But, you know, it's I guess you got to deal with all of it. Take it all with caution because you really don't know what you're dealing with. And uh, it's hard to tell. So let's go to the next one here. And this one's coming from Missouri. And uh, it has to do with haunted life, so uh, several different things as well. Was this the same? Um, no, this one isn't. It says, now if you've heard my old ghost problem, you'll like this one. Uh, all right, well, I'm sure we probably heard the old one. Uh, now the TV usually turns off and on when I'm alone, and as you would guess, I hate that. Yeah, I can imagine. I've got a new cat now. Her name is Gidget. And she's been crying out loud in the middle of the night for reasons that I just don't know. My old cat died of kidney failure, and I can see her walking through the house. She's protected me from my ghost right now. When I'm awake late, alone, my ghost walks through the house very loudly. It gets me really scared, scared stiff. And then I just can't go to sleep. Just a while ago, I was laying down trying to sleep when I heard... All of a sudden, an evil voice called my name. Uh, from that time on, I've never had. Uh, from that time on, I've I've I had never left my mind blank before I go to sleep. I've heard that if you have things on your mind, they can't contact you. Oh, maybe. I guess that's a, who knows. I've never heard that. I guess. When my friend and, and I went outside one night, we saw very creepy flashes of light. Blue, ghostly lights. And then it hit me. My ghost was following me everywhere. So now I have a reason to be scared anywhere I'm at, at almost any time. And when I'm walking at night, 
I always hear footsteps behind me. I run as fast as I can trying to escape. No good. I could still hear them. I turn around. I turn every which way to see if there's anyone or anything behind me, but nothing. So every time I walk at night, I'm very alert. Alert. We can't seem to contact it, but if you have any ideas, please post them in a comment. Huh. I, you know, it sounds like, I mean, our minds can play tricks on us, right? So certainly this person feels like they're dealing with something everywhere and anywhere they go. Uh, the problem with fear and allowing your fear to, fear to run wild like that is you can create some pretty nasty things for yourself. And I'm not talking even really manifestations. I'm just talking about making, convincing yourself that something's a hell of a lot worse than it is. Um, if you, if you let your mind go crazy and you know, even for something as, as simple as footsteps, now that is a creepy phenomena because something is making a sound that you can't see and you can't tell where it is except by the sound of it. And of course the worst ones are when you hear these feet approaching and then they stop somewhere in your, in your direct area. And that's, that's horrible. That is a horrible mind game, but um, I think it's just so important not to have fear or not to allow fear to be a part of that equation. You can get startled. Everybody gets startled. That's human nature. But to allow fear to run wild makes you not only, it's not only going to make it a whole lot worse, but it's going to make you more vulnerable. If it is indeed something dark and negative, fear is a surrender. It's a submission. It's allowing something control over you. And you have to remind yourself that you're, you know, a divine light in the in the universe and that nothing has control over you and nothing can, you know, take your control away or whatever you want to say. You can say, you know, you're a child of God, you're, you're a Christian, whatever you want to say, as long as you know that you're not subject to being controlled by something. But fear is fear is a surrender. And I think it also weakens our aura because you're, you're allowing yourself to believe that something has that control over you to make you afraid, to make you feel vulnerable, to make you feel scared. And, uh, that is a submission. So, um, and it's, it's not like you can just switch, hip, flip a switch and be like, Oh, I'm not afraid now. It takes time. It takes practice, but you got to really master your fears. Um, being cautious and being afraid are two very different things. Always be cautious. I think because we don't know what we're dealing with, but to surrender to fear, it means whatever you're dealing with already has control if it wants it. So just uh, some thoughts on the front end of that. I think that's uh, a very dangerous thing. Um, Let's head to Oregon. Oh, it's sleep paralysis. My old friend, sleep paralysis. Uh, let's see what they're saying in sleep paralysis this time. Sometimes these stories... Uh, are allegedly about sleep paralysis, but I, I, they don't seem to have the traditional uh, sleep paralysis thing going on. So let's see what this one is. My, my story starts at my old school. I have a friend whose name will remain a secret for privacy reasons. Uh, my friend and her dad, or her friend rather, my friend and her friend told me about a ghost named Damien who haunted the school. Being a huge paranormal fan, I jumped at the chance to find out more. I asked my friend if she would introduce me to Damien. Wow, this is already starting out poorly. She said she would and explained to me a special way 
to communicate with him. Uh, she said, if, if, if you place your thumb and forefinger in the shape of an L with both hands and join your thumbs together and shape of a half a square, it becomes a kind of ghost detector. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a real valid story, but we'll continue because it's very interesting. Uh, using this technique requires you to ask only yes and no questions. And if your fingers bend inwards, this means yes and outwards means no. I can't believe I'm reading this. Uh, I've tried this many times and I swear that each time I did this, my fingers always seem to move of their own. Well, I spoke to Damien like this on a regular basis. And my friend warned me, though, that I must say goodbye to Damien before disconnecting my fingers or it could anger Damien. I listened to her carefully, and after a while, me and another friend got cocky and decided that we would challenge Damien. We ended the chat with Damien multiple times without saying goodbye. A few days later, I was attacked, and as I lay in bed trying to sleep, I felt a huge pressure all over the front of my body. I was lying on my back and feeling uh, of a knife stab in my back. I couldn't move at all, and then suddenly it was gone. I know it wasn't dreaming because I was awake for hours after that, not daring to close my eyes. My other friend still has regular contact with Damien and keeps on informing me he will attack again. Uh, the friend who knew Damien tells me to be very careful. I'm kind of scared and wondering if this has happened to anyone else. <laughs> so, so this is, this is a ghost detector apparently, ladies and gentlemen. I, I don't know. There's some really hokey, weird ideas out there, right? Ah, uh, well, there you have, there you have it. <laughs> Funny thing is, is it, the story was called Terror in the Twilight. <laughs> you know, there's some Twilight going on there for sure. Sparkly vampire kind of stuff. Um, this one's coming from Illinois, and it, it's Haunted Places. So let's see what's going on in Illinois and their haunted places. It says, I just moved to LaSalle, Illinois, almost two years ago. My cousin used to drive me past this park, and during the day, I always felt a little weird about it. I didn't know anything about the place until just recently. My cousin and I were playing Ghost Hunters, and she sent me a link about McKinley Park in Peru. And I read the story and, a, and so many more that I don't remember the details. And when we drove past it one evening, I thought it was something about a baby crying late at night. And I had a really strange feeling, a feeling of fear. And I started to cry and had shivers go up my spine. I told my cousin that there was something about the baseball field. I couldn't figure out why. Why a baby? It had to be someone else, someone older than an infant. And a few minutes later, I arrived home and searched the internet again. I found the story regarding this park, and it said that it used to be a school. A boy died in the basement, and they tore down the school and made it into a baseball diamond. I drove past this park again two nights ago. I started crying. I felt the worst fear I've ever felt. And I immediately stopped the car and told my cousin I couldn't go down the street. I reversed my car and sped as legally fast as I could 
and got out of that area quickly. I've never seen a ghost or anything. I felt its presence, and it didn't feel too good. I'm hoping this is all in my head, so to speak, because I'm really scared to even think about going past there again at night. And again, this is like a psych-out kind of thing, I think. Now, are there energies and impressions uh, places hold? Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that spirits... What do I say? How do I say this? I think spirits can be powerful entities, but I don't think, I don't know about this powerful, um, at least not if it's a normal ghost kind of thing. Um, there are, of course, other kinds of things out there that I think are much more powerful, but I think your normal ghost is going to be, I mean, it'll have, it'll probably have uh, an area of influence, but I don't think it would be a whole park. Um, I don't know. That just doesn't seem right to me. And I, and I guess I'm, I, I have no reason to say that other than I just don't believe that. For some reason, that's like a, a whole lot for just a, uh, a human spirit. And I'm not diminishing the power of a human spirit, but, you know, um, if, it's, if it's a, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing ideas out there, I guess. But it doesn't seem like if there's that much of an influence, an area of influence, um, then this very well may not just be a, a child spirit or a kid spirit or a human spirit. It might be something much more, if indeed it's real, but I suspect this person has probably psyched themselves out so completely that they can't drive by the place. I mean, you gotta, when, when you're thinking about these things or talking about these things, those have got to be, I mean, psychology is real. People really do freak themselves out. People really do overreact and uh, psych themselves out all the time. I mean, it's kind of in our nature. So when you have somebody that has, uh, you know, this fixation about the paranormal and uh, this one area in particular and has done all this obsessive research about it, then it becomes so much more because, you know, they're feeding it their own fear and trepidation. Again, fear comes up. And so, I don't know, it's, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound legit to me completely, the area might really have a presence and might have had some terrible things happen, but I think this person's reaction is more self-induced than the actual phenomena. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family.
right, everybody, and we're back, and we're back at it here on the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Buckle up. We're going in. This is from California, and it has to do with psychic and mediums uh, experiences. This one's kind of long, so it's going to take a little bit to get through. I hope you don't have other plans, because I'm going to read it to you now. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night just confused. Me too. Every night. <laughs> Why am I not sleeping? What's going on? Most people that I, that most people do that at one point or another. From time to time, I shoot up in a wake in a panic. I had just dreamt something of a tragic, uh, something tragic, a murder or some kind of sexual assault. And I know what you're thinking that it's going that it's got. What's that got to do with anything? Sorry, it's written really weird. The answer, I don't know. I awake with the feeling that this that it was a story that was given to me, a true story from beyond. And even though I have no proof, I know that someone is showing me all of this for a reason. What is the reason? I mean, am I supposed to help? So I try but never succeed. Every day that I live, I see ghosts. Sure, that may sound weird to you, but not as weird as it is for me. I'm a psychic medium, and this is my life. The other day I was uh, being held to sleep, and the dream I dreamt was so terrifying, it left a bad taste in my mouth all day. There I was, a blonde woman, and I was trying to stay alive. Yes, alive. Every move I, she, I slash she made was in every attempt to stay alive. This man had captured her and would have taken advantage of her, but instead she gives it up uh, willingly. And then at one point she asked him if he has to kill her. The man is a very ugly older man with uh, gray stringy long hair. He was at all extents ugly, with a bulbous big nose and weathered face, and he replied that he had to and that he was sorry. That's horrible. The next thing I know is I'm watching a woman who had just tried to so hard to survive be smothered by a pillow. Her eyes a cold steel gray. She looks straight, and then her eyes shift to the right, and they're frozen. She's gone. Her hair blonde and wavy and the look of dead in her eyes. The man, the man who killed her in what appeared to be a calm state. Fast forward, the man drives off with her body to a remote area to an old abandoned house in the middle of the night and throws her uh, across the front of the property with no care. He left her there in the cold, dark, remote lot. I woke up traumatized. When I get dreams like this one, I feel the pain and fear of the victim. I'm haunted by these images, and they leave an imprint in my mind so vivid that's all I can think about the entire day, maybe even a week. First the feeling is scary, and then I just accept it, and it slowly goes away. I keep having this vision, and it happens every day. A woman in a powder pink, uh, pink rather, v-neck sweater is arguing all night in a kitchen with what I think is her husband, the woman's 30 or so, very attractive, and a ponytail. And her husband's around 30 as well, well-dressed, 
good looking, and they continue to fight. Suddenly they're fighting loudly, and then comes the stab right in the heart. He falls, and then she stabs him again four more times. She is crying as she has the knife in her hand, and she wipes her brow with her bloodied hand, and her husband on the floor is now dead. I see this image over and over daily and even tried to figure it out who it is, but whoever is showing me this needs to finish the story if they can. I think I get all these visions because someone is trying to get justice from beyond the grave. It makes sense to me. How about you? It's, there's more here. To, to some to be a medium is a real gift and the ability to some it's all fictitious, made up by one's own mind. To me, it's a fact. The dreams, the feelings, the ghosts, they are all fact. They are there, and they're there for a reason. Maybe it's that they have unfinished business, or maybe they want justice, or maybe it's because they can't let go of something, but need to, and all they're asking for is my help. I, at times, wake up hearing them tell me their name, where they were buried, what happened, and... and to go and write it down, but I don't. And I'm mad that they gave me such a detailed horror story. But I can't help but think that if I had, maybe I would have gotten justice for some lost or forgotten soul out there. So instead of being angry, half asleep, and want them to go away, maybe I should try and listen harder so I can get to the bottom of these dreams, feelings, visions, the best I can do is try and listen. What about these ghosts, you might ask? Well, sometimes when someone dies, they don't go into the light. I know what you're thinking, that it's just a myth and the light does it. And the light, does it really exist? I do believe so. I've been crossing over ghosts for going on five years now. They come to me for help and some can see the light and just choose not to go in, while others, they have unfinished business. And they literally have made themselves earthbound until they figure out what they haven't finished. Many discarnate beings, ghosts, stay earthbound if they are of a less evolved soul, or perhaps they aren't well, perhaps even mentally ill. Maybe they've killed someone or themselves, and they believe that they will be punished on the other side for it. So to stay earthbound is better than to realize that that might not be true. In my experience, ghosts behave the same as when they were alive. Same personality, fears, anxieties, and issues. There is hope for many, and, mo and for some, there's not. So they will inevitably stay earthbound for years, maybe 10, maybe 100, maybe forever. And these ghosts are not highly intelligent, or have baggage, to say the least. Many of their baggage could be a sudden death, their own, of course. Maybe they themselves were murdered. Maybe they got into a car accident and were just suddenly killed. The event is so shocking and traumatizing that they are stuck in a post-traumatic post post stress disorder kind of way. Others don't even know that they are dead. It takes some convincing them otherwise, but when they do realize and remember what happened, they usually just cross over.
Now, for example, I have these two ghosts who are attached themselves to me for unknown reasons, even they aren't sure why. But these two are definitely mentally ill, stalkers to say the least, and yeah, you got it right, they can't see the light. I've helped hundreds cross over, but these two are a challenge to say the least. They live in fear that they will be punished for their sins, and I've assured them that that's not how it works, but whatever they have done, it haunts them worse than they haunt me. The female cries constantly and has terrible anxiety attacks, while the other is a practical joke pervert who lives in fear that he will be thrown in some sort of jail on the other side. Both are pathological liars and both need someone else's help. I've tried for far too long to help them, so I have given up and it's time for someone else to try. Yeah, I wouldn't want that luggage. Truthfully, I believe no one can help them but themselves and their unfinished business, or fears are their own, and they are the only ones who can save themselves. What do you all think? Whatever you think, know this. We're definitely not alone. That's a really well-written story. Wow. Um, again, I, I don't know this person. I don't know if what they've written is true, if it's just a creative writing concept, but it does sound like what a lot of uh, psychics that I talk to have explained to me. Um, yeah, that would be the heavy part. That'd be the hard part is the visions, the, the seeing those horrible tragedies and for the most part being powerless because they're probably past events. They probably already happened and there's not much you can do about it, but I don't know why this person wouldn't have written down the name and where where they were um, to try to help find that closure. I do know, though, that sometimes, <laughs> sometimes mediums or spiritualists themselves have become suspects just because they've gone forward with information like that, that they've received from spirits, and they just know too much. And so all of a sudden they're getting interrogated and they're getting cross-examined and they're having to prove where they were on whatever night at whatever time or wherever. And so that's, that would be the sucky part. But I imagine if you, if you were, if once you get over that, if, if you were a psychic and you had a, a rapport with somebody like a detective, then you could probably go to them regularly and not end up on the suspect list. That's gotta be horrible. I don't know. That's, that's, I guess the, the dark side of that whole gift is seeing the things that you can't unsee and feeling those emotions and being helpless to just do anything but experience them. That's got to be horrible, horrible stuff. Wow. Pretty dark, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's, that's not good. All right. So, I mean, I don't even watch horror movies, for God's sakes. I just can't do it. I don't want to watch people... <laughs> do that whole, you know, fight for your life thing. That's disgusting to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm rooting for all of the people trying to live, but it doesn't work out well for me. All right. So let's get to the next one. And this one's from Illinois again. Uh, and this has to do with apparitions, voices, and touches because touches happen. This one's a lot shorter. It says, my name's Katie and I'm 29 years old. I've been reading a lot of uh, spiritual encounter stories for a while 
and decided just to post my own. This is the first experience I have had. At the age of six, I was spending the night at my grandparents' home, something my brother and I did really quite often. We slept in the small room next to the main bedroom where my grandparents slept. Falling asleep was easy that night after I said my prayers. Sleeping on my back, I don't know exactly how long I was asleep, but I was woke up by a hard knock on my forehead. Laying there with my eyes closed, I was scared. It hurt, and I felt the tears well up in my eyes. Thinking it was a nightmare, eyes still closed tight, it happened again. This time I flung my eyes open and sat up and nobody was there. Crawling to the foot of my bed, I looked over the bed frame to check the floor, where my brother would always lie when he was there. But I forgot he had not spent the night in uh, my grandparents this night. So the thought of him being the typical mean brother flew out the window. I heard my grandparents snoring in their room and curled back up into bed and cried myself to sleep. To this day, I will not lay on my back to sleep. Eesh. That's horrible. That is, that is terrible. I don't know. That's horrible. I don't know what it would be like. That would suck. You'd be sound asleep and suddenly... Poof. <laughs> Maybe maybe this person's a snorer. I don't know. That's not good, though. That's a pretty bad precedent to be having. <laughs> Getting uppercuts as you're sleeping. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing great tonight. Thank you to everybody that's here. Hope you enjoy these ghostly encounters. I enjoy bringing them to you. All right, this one's Georgia. Has to do with miscellaneous things. Um... Let's see, it says, this happened to me this morning. It was this, of course, this morning was March 16th of 2009, so quite a while ago. I usually set my alarm for 5.15 a.m., and I hit the snooze button a couple of times before I get up and get ready for work. This morning, I really had something strange happen. The alarm went off at its usual time. I went through my normal routine and hit the snooze button. It went off again. I hit the snooze button a second time. And then I was pushed out of bed. I mean, I was pushed all the way to the floor. No one was sleeping with me. Well, maybe there was. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, you never know. I wasn't scared or anything as I got myself together and climbed back onto the bed for another 15 minutes or so. I noticed that the alarm clock was not working. Like... The electricity went out. I grabbed my watch, which I kept by the alarm clock for emergencies, just like this one so I wouldn't oversleep. I was thinking, where did I where did I put the candles so I could shower and shave? Well, I got up at about 6.15 and noticed a faint light coming from the kitchen, so I decided to investigate. When I got to the kitchen... <clears throat> Sorry, I noticed the light was coming from the coffee pot, which was set on a timer. And if the timer was still on, then only the electricity in my room was off. Well, that's odd, I thought. Anyway, I went to the bathroom for my normal routine uh, morning manual manly ritual. <laughs> morning manly ritual. Lights were working, etc. I got back to my bedroom and noticed the clock was still off. 
I thought, great, I broke my alarm clock. I decided to unplug the clock as to not have any current going to it, and when I pulled the dresser out to unplug the, unplug the clock, I found out it was already unplugged. I plugged it back in and flash, flash, flash. The clock came on. I'm not sure how the clock got unplugged, but most of all, who or what pushed me out of bed to get me up for work? I guess I am supporting someone or something else. Hope I can claim them as a tax deduction. Can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, that's all kinds of weird. I don't know if you got pushed out of your bed. Oh, that's horrible, especially in the morning time. Like, I'm not a morning person. Um, not that I'm crabby. I'm just really lethargic for a long time after I wake up. So I, I, I don't know. I just mope around with coffee, uh, for quite a while before I actually, you know, get, get my, my blood circulating. But I don't know if I got pushed out of bed and hit the, hit the floor in the morning, that would, that I'd be a crabby son of a gun. Wow. That's, that's, that's actually kind of aggressive. Well, not kind of, that's all kinds of aggressive. And just think of the energy that would be needed to do that. This is not like a physical thing. It's not like there's muscles and, and bones and leverage and all that stuff. This is a whole different kind of deal. How much energy does that take? And how is that? how does that happen? See, I think the idea of things moving in non-physical manners, I think that's exciting as hell. I don't know. I just wonder. I'm, I'm just... My mind is just reeling with the possibilities because here's the thing. If, if this is a ghost of a person that was formerly alive, then ghosts can do this stuff. They can move things. They can move objects. And if they can do it, then we can do it. In my opinion, there, in my mind, it's like there's no difference between us and these other spirits that are still here doing this kind of stuff, except that we have a body. So is there something about having this physical form that mutes that ability somehow or, or makes it not work as well? I don't know. I, I doesn't, it doesn't seem to make sense that that's the case. Or is there just something that's freed up? Like uh, in our physical form, as we're in a body, are, are our abilities mapped directly to our genetics? In other words, is that because there's a switch that's turned off in our genetics that if it was somehow turned on, we could move things with our minds and we could use more than 10, 15% of our brains or whatever. What is it about our biology that it, that seems to have a direct relation to that? But when, when spirits are passed on from their physical form and they are these energetic forms, they, they don't seem to have those same hurdles. Um, and I don't know. But it makes me believe that it must be possible. It must be possible because if it exists for a ghost, it exists for a person. This is the same energetic being. It's just whether it's in a human form or not. So I, I always get excited when I uh, hear people talk about telekinesis and psycho, psychokinesis, telekinesis. To me, that's that's really exciting. And I And I think that it's possible. I think that kind of stuff could be achieved. I have no idea how, and I don't pretend to uh, to know for sure, but I, if it exists, if it happens, if these stories are real, then it's a real possibility. And, you know, again, my old adage, if only one of these stories I've ever shared 
is real about things moving. If only one of them of the thousands of stories that I've read throughout the course of this show and shared, my own experiences included seeing a chandelier pull out of the ceiling, um, I mean, just pulled out. It wasn't just like, oh, it was, you know, just barely on a thread and hit the ground. It was like it hit the ground along with some of the some of the plaster that was built up around it. So it was yanked out of my ceiling. Um, I've seen that happen. And, and it just occurs to me, why is it, why is it only possible, uh, this way? Now there are reports of people having, uh, psychokinesis or telekinesis. There are reports of that. Um, I don't know. I believe it's, it's achievable somehow. I just don't know what it would take. There's got to be some correlation between our biology and our spiritual energy um, that either mutes that or makes it really hard to tap into. But it's curious all the same. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in this is coming from texas has to do with family and friends visits says this is the first time i've shared one of my stories so here goes well my grandmother and i were pretty close i loved hearing her stories and spending the night at her house I didn't have many things in my, in my life that I could count on, but she was always there. My grandmother got lung cancer around the age of 82, and we all thought it was over. It hurt a lot for her to go through chemo, but she fought it. Almost a year after being diagnosed, she was in remission. Good for her. Everyone ble- breathed a sigh of relief, and she made it through. About four months later, my grandmother would be gone. Right before it happened, though, I had a dream. It was, I had a dream. It was of the whole family standing around a gravesite with the rain pouring down. And as the rain stopped, a huge wind started to blow and I smiled. And I looked at one of my cousins and said, Grandma's here. My grandmother had a way of calling the wind, which she, came in handy on those hot summer days. I didn't think anything of it until the day of my grandmother's burial. The wind picked up, and I just had to smile. It was warm and and caring, caring in a weird sort of way. She was there for us that day. I realize now that she may have been preparing me for what was to come. I didn't cry as much as I thought I would because I knew she would come to me whenever I wanted her to. I know it isn't much of a ghost story per se, but I thought you would all enjoy it. I do. I, do, I really enjoy that. I've, I've had that experience um, of what I can only describe as a supernatural warm breeze. And the story was a friend of our family. A very He and I were pretty close. We didn't like have years and years together, but we clicked. His name was Bud, and Bud was 
just such a, a fatherly type of man and such a loving and caring man. And unfortunately, he suffered from Parkinson's and he was a cancer survivor as well. But he suffered from Parkinson's in the end. And he and I had talks about it, like, you know, what does that mean or how you feel? Are you, you know, ready for that? And et cetera, et cetera. And um, then he passed and it was really hard for me because he was one of those people that even though I didn't have a lifetime of knowing him, I knew him throughout a, a very large portion of my life, but I didn't see him daily or weekly, even just kind of seasonally. But every time I saw him, it was like you just picked up where you left off. And he was just such a, a nice, wonderful guy. And, and, uh, he's actually the reason that I end, that I end every show with be good, be good, be kind, be nice. Because he always, he always had the saying, and I don't think he made it up, but I think it didn't matter. He used it. And he said, if you ever have to choose between, between, between being kind or being right, choose kind. And I, I always left an impression on me. It's like, yeah, that's, it's more important to, to be gentle about that, you know, than it is to be right and stomp all over people. He was just that kind of a person. But after, when he, when I got the word that he finally passed, it was when I lived back in Minnesota and it was, God, I think it was February. It was such, you know, in Minnesota it's cold in the winter, very cold. And I was in my, my jeans, my socks, and a t-shirt. And I got the news, and of course, you know, all of a sudden the tears start welling up, and I'm dealing with the emotion. It's like, oh. And I, I put on my slippers and just went outside. I, I lived in this lakefront, and I went and stood on the top of the retaining wall, uh, just overlooking the beach, and uh, the tears just came. And I was standing out there in February in the night, in the darkness, and I was, it was cold. It was very cold. And I was like, no, I'm just going to be out here and deal with this. And so I stayed out there. And as I stood there, this warm breeze picked up. And when I'm saying warm, I'm talking like it felt like 70 degrees. And it circled me. And it encom it, 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 it covered me. It was like this whirling warm breeze. And I stood out there for 25 or 30 minutes and let the tears just kind of flow. And, and, and it was funny because along with that, I knew he was there. I, he was there in that moment with me. And so I started saying things, you know, like how much I was going to miss him. And it was like every time I would even think of things that I was saying, the answer, his response would be in my head. It was like this this incredible telepathy. It was an amazing experience. And I stood out there and then finally I just didn't feel sad anymore because I knew he was there. He was in that moment with me and he, he kept me warm. I don't know. There's no other way to explain it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it was February in Minnesota. It was freezing. It's like around zero with a wind outside, but the wind I had was warm and, and comfortable and it was like we were just connected in that moment. And everything I could think was just answered. It's like, you know, I, I miss you. And it's like, I know you're going to be okay, though. It's this, I'm better, I'm good. You know, all these things just kept flooding my head at the same time I would think them. And it was like having a three-hour conversation in just a matter of minutes. And then I was just, I felt good. And so I just turned and walked back in the house. And as soon as I turned to walk back to the house, the warmth faded 
And suddenly the cold came back. I was like, ooh. And then I, I just quickly went back in the house. True story. Um, it's one of those things that, I don't know, it's just on a pile of experiences throughout my life. Um, I, I know I've talked about that one on the show before, but it's been quite a long time, but a very real thing. And I think they are there. And, and I don't know. I don't know. It was just such a real, incredible experience. And, and I was able to process that emotion and that sadness very quickly because I knew he was right there with me and he was keeping me warm. So when this, this story was talking about that, it's like, wow, I, I, I felt that. I know what that feels like. And, you know, I think that they're around us. They are, they are around us. Sometimes they're more subtle about it, but he was an exceptional man. So it doesn't surprise me that he had an exceptional presence in his afterlife. So a little, you know, anecdote, personal anecdote about a uh, very cool experience. All right. How long is this one? Yeah, I'll read this one. This will be the last one tonight. This is coming from Texas. And it has to do with haunted places. It says, my story begins when I was about nine years old. We'd been living in our home since I was four. Turning nine was a tumultuous time in my life. I had grown into a young woman. My father had left. My mom had to work, so a lot of chores fell on my back. I had four brothers, two of whom were younger than me, so I did the best I could do. During this time, I noticed things started to happen. I'm not sure if the house had always been haunted, but during this time, it was very clear that we weren't alone. Oh, I'll read that in a second, Bomber. Thank you. I'll, I'll check that out. Let me finish this because it's pretty pretty short. The first time I'd really known that there was something different was one afternoon when I was alone. My younger brothers had gone outside to play, and I stayed inside watching television. The house was quiet. I heard some noise in the kitchen, and I chalked it up to my brothers, and I just ignored it. I got thirsty, so I went to get some water, and now I am short, so it was a pet peeve of mine when the cupboards were left open. There were many times that I hit my head on them because I wasn't paying attention. So when I got into the kitchen, the cupboard was open. I opened the back door and yelled at my brothers and then went back to my mom's room. And once again, I heard some noises in the kitchen. And so I got up and ran thinking I'd catch them in the act. All the cupboards were open as well as the drawers. I just stood there with my mouth agape trying to make sense of it. I called my brothers and asked them what their problem was, and then they said that they were never inside and went to go play. Well, I turned and closed all the cupboards and then ran to my mom's room and shut the door. Many other things happened in the house, including shadow people, apparitions, and more poltergeist activity. But that's a whole nother story. Speaking of poltergeist activity, she's nine years old. The father left. Uh, she's Her life just changed. She could very well be manifesting that activity. That's very common in poltergeist situations. There's usually a young pubescent or prepubescent female at the center of it. So I think that's very interesting. 
Bomber says, when my friend's grandmother passed, she stepped outside the hospice and she saw a, a bunch of pigeons on the power line and all in white. She said she knew her grandmother was there. <laughs> that is beautiful. Um, during the time when I was, when we were burying my grandmother in uh, the family cemetery plot back in Minnesota, it was, I, I'd never seen something like this, this before. But she loved nature. She loved animals. She loved, uh, she lived, it was her house on the lakefront that I ended up living in uh, after she passed. But she always had these binoculars and she would sit and watch the birds out over the water. She would watch the boat. She just liked to look. She couldn't swim. She was terrified of water, but she would always watch. And uh, on the day we buried her uh, in the cemetery, there was like this, this whole hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of white birds that were circling high above the cemetery. And it was like in this perfect circle right above us. And I thought, wow, could that be her? Could that be her letting her presence be known to us? And I pointed it out to my family that were standing right by. I'm like, look, check that out. And it was, I'd never seen something like that before. And I grew up in that area. So I'd never seen, I'm not sure what kind of white birds they were. And again, I grew up in that area, but there was a whole flock of them and they were all circling way up in the sky. Just like, I don't know, maybe bringing her home. I hope, I hope, you know, it was just a beautiful thing. But yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I do think that they give us signs and if we look for them and I think a lot of people dismiss those signs, like they, they just think, well, um, she kept that dough until it died. What is Jimmy saying? I'm looking Jimmy to see what's the bomber. Wow. When my grandfather passed about two days later, a white dove landed on her shoulder. She kept it and it was fine. We called it Morris after my grandfather. Oh, that's cool. Wow. It just adopted her. That's beautiful. Or <laughs> That's really a beautiful story, Jimmy. Thanks for sharing that. I think they're with us, folks. I, th I really do. I think there's probably hundreds and hundreds of stories of people seeing and experiencing these kind of things, but people just don't talk about them. Maybe to their close friends, and and that's where they stay. But that's one of the reasons I love the show is that Suddenly, all of us start sharing ideas and experiences, and somebody can relate to it. Somebody can relate to something, and they start sharing their experiences. And then we find out that the paranormal is not so paranormal after all. Maybe it's way more normal. It's just that people are just starting to talk and share their experiences more openly than ever before. That's really cool. You guys make this, this show great. Every every time you guys pitch in with some thought or idea or experience, it always makes it so much better. So very cool. I'll, I think that's all I got for you guys tonight. We're in a little bit over time, but that's okay. I'm happy to share a little more time with you guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's show. Thank you all for that love and support. Thank you to all the wonderful comments I get on YouTube every day. I love going through and answering them, and uh, I appreciate you guys sharing your thoughts on there so that's all i got for you all right guys thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show i hope you guys enjoyed it please feel free to follow us on facebook facebook.com slash paranormal portal radio 
as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the paranormal portal. So I hope you check it out. Check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com/slash/paranormalportal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good. Be kind. Be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody. <laughs>